Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters for uh, a day of the week. I'm joined by Leo. Hello. And Harry. Hello. It's no longer Wednesday, my dudes. Yeah, so I couldn't use that one. It's Thursday. Is there anything for that? Not yet. It's fr- Monday, Friday, Wednesday. Happy days. Happy days? Is it Thursday? Oh. <laughs> God damn it. And tomorrow being Friday, everyone knows you've got to get down on Friday. All right. But Thursday is kind of just not important. Yeah. I'm just going to have buttons from now on. I'm going to press and then... Just, what place you're gonna get a soundboard? Yeah, I, I, or I, buttons to mute us. I've, I've got no, I've got sick of introducing the days. So I'm just gonna get a soundboard from now on. Anyway, so before we do that though, um, today we are going to be talking about the terrible responses to the Israeli war. It's been funny year for Australia, and uh, I might be sick, which is gonna be a gross one. I'll be honest, lads. We'll be talking about bed bugs. So, um, have you got bed bugs? No, not yet. All right, but you know, shh, I am. Yeah. I'm on guard. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. No, he's he's actually just got AIDS. Mm. Yeah, which is more treatable. I, I had <laughs> I had, I had deal these days. <laughs> I had bed bugs. And it <laughs> I, was I wondered where you horrific. Were. <laughs> it was horrific. I'll, well, in the segment, I'll tell you about. Oh, it. All right, yeah, yeah. It was the worst thing, and it, like to to get rid of them was just like impossible. Is that in London as well? Edgware Road. Edgware Road. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was in a uh, block of flats. It was full of like a, a lot of people who fly between the Middle East, a lot of short-term lets. So. Because at least it's if your house, you can you can burn your whole house down, but you can't <laughs> can't burn the whole building. Wait, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> anyway. I can't burn everybody else's house down. Uh, that's yeah. This country. But if they've got bed bugs, they might thank you. <sighs> but we'll we'll begin with a couple of announcements. The first one being that after this, so we end at what one thirty? No, we don't. No, we, we end at two thirty. Two thirty. Uh, uh, half an hour after we finish. So go and get yourself some tea after we do this, and then come and join us for the British City tier list. In which we'll be ranking things from, I presume, S to F tier. Uh, the, the the tier is more um, provocatively labeled than that, but I didn't make it, so. Okay. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. So do come and join us. That'll it will be, be uh, from best to worst, really. Yeah, I believe that's us and some other people who. Uh, Carl and Josh. Yeah, there we are. There so, you are. There we go. And also, uh, tomorrow, I believe there's uh, one more announcement I have to give, which is there's a hangout, Cyberpunk Dystopia. Part seven. This is where Carl tortures me because um, apparently I deserve that for some reason. And uh, that'll be at three o'clock as well. So after you enjoy the podcast with us again, we can then sit around and um, cry and, and, and ask Carl to stop. Right. Before we shall begin with the podcast, I suppose. So- yes. Oh, is it me first? Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. me first. So basically, I'm, I'm doing the, the worst takes from the, uh, from the Israel invasion of Israel, the war in Israel, the Hamas attacks in Israel. Uh, let me just pull this up. I'm sure there'll be lots of celebrities giving very sensible and nuanced takes. They've read up on the subject. They, they've they picked a side because of all the decent reasons and not because uh, everyone's not talking about it. Not because it's the thing that you're supposed to do. Well, yeah, you'd think so. But Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber has got a lot of flack for this. Basically, he posted, uh, posted a thing saying, praying for Israel, but that's a picture of Gaza. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he knew that and he's praying for Israel to destroy Gaza. That's, man, that is the thing. This could just be an absolute top level tier Zionist troll. This is maybe maybe Justin Bieber is just playing 4D chess with all Justin of us. Bieberwitz. And he's, yeah, he's saying, he's saying, like, listen, listen, Gaza. Gaza is part of uh, part of Israel. And that's, that's where he's Israel. Or maybe he's just thick. 
Maybe he's just sticking and he used a photo of Gaza instead. Um, I wondered where you were going with this. It's, it's, like, I thought it was going to be people being like, you know, I love um, murder or something. But that that is just genuine stupidity on a level that's brilliant. Well, oh, the, the thing is, that's that's like somebody else's post. You can see because it's got the little thing in the corner where it shows that he's just copied it off somebody else. So this right. is for mass consumption and he's just shared it, not knowing what he's talking about. And you can be guaranteed thousands and thousands of other retards will have done the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. There's been some funny memes mocking the sort of social media uh, responses. I saw, I saw one that was like, uh, you know, what TikTok dance you should do to show support for Hamas. <laughs> you know, they, and it's, you know, it's not far away from the truth. You know, from what, what people are really I, like. I, I hope there's a counter one for the TikTok dancers for the IDF as well. Yeah, well, there's, there's bound to be. Well, tr um, truly, I wish to hear from those who are NPC TikTokers and see what emojis they're adding yeah. to, to stand with either side, you know, mm -mm, you know, beheading so good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was too gross. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Just joke. Yeah. Uh, and if we move on to the next one, we do, we do have a celebrity uh, saying some, some nasty things. But, I mean, celebrity. to be clear to anyone who thinks like yeah, we're being crass or anything real quick, though. But, I mean, this is what we're dealing with, though, when it comes to the celebrity views on anything. It's always something so blunt, like not useful to the conversation whatsoever. Well, yeah, and uh, kind of just a pain in the ass. Because and with the, that, let's go to Mia Khalifa. Because yeah, of the cultural position these people occupy, that people put them on a pedestal and you're like, oh, these people must know what they're talking about. No, more often than not, these people are more stupid than your average normie on the street. These people have some kind of brain worm that they get infected with to be able to uh, get the success that they have done. Yeah, well, Mia Khalifa managed to uh, to actually uh, be less classy uh, when she was talking about the invasion of Israel um, than when she was getting paid to suck strangers' cocks. So she uh, she made a, a series of posts praising, basically praising Hamas, you know, calling them like resistance fighters. We scroll down, we can Wouldn't see. Wouldn't they kill her? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. She'd be beheaded for a lifestyle. She'd be beheaded. Like she has spoken about this in interviews that she still gets death threats for that scene she did in a hijab. Yeah, I was going to say right. she's most famous for doing the hijab scene, and they want to Which kill her that? for that. So one of her, one of her <laughs> that doesn't work. I, I can't see her be like, I don't watch porn. That's not going <laughs> to. One of her tweets said, uh, "This this is one of the first ones, and this was right when it kicked off. So at this point, Israel hadn't, you know, hadn't bombed, dropped any bombs in Gaza or anything." Uh, she said, if you can look at the situation in Palestine and not be on the side of Palestinians, then you're on the wrong side of apartheid and history will show that in time. Uh, just crazy stuff. And she also, like, she tweeted a whole bunch of uh, posts. One of them was about telling, requesting Hamas, uh, Hamas terrorists to film in horizontal instead of portrait. Uh, so <laughs> I thought oh, that was a meme. Is that real? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> Guys, you need to stop being such boomers. I didn't know Come she on, said guys. that. That Jesus Christ! I thought that was a piss take. No, that was a real. That was a real. <laughs> if you're gonna kill babies, at least yeah, we'll burn him. See the footage in horizontal. Oh, no. It'll look better on my TV. So she'd been she'd been fired by Playboy. Actually, I saw I saw a funny a funny joke. Uh, so she's a victim of cancel culture. But I saw a funny <laughs> I saw a funny joke about uh, Mia Khalifa. Uh, it was uh, it was talking about how she's such a devout Muslim. Uh, she often has her face covered by other men. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. Hey yo. Uh, the next one uh, is something that will definitely be described as a war crime by the Guardian. Uh, so this is somebody trying to burn an Israeli flag. We we'll just watch this, see how it works out for them. 
So he's got he's got the fire going. Massive Israeli flag there. Yeah, yeah. All right. All his friends spun around with COVID masks for some reason. Whoa! Oh, dear. He's on fire, and he's covered in molten plastic that's on fire. He's napalm himself. I should explain to YouTube before we get censored. He's he's still alive, so no, no one was actually harmed in the making. He's of this not video. yet oh, a no, no one was harmed, and if they were, it was, just made to look like a prat. Yeah, it was completely self harm, uh, self owning. But um, yeah, it was crazy the amount of I couldn't believe the amount of people who came out uh, just on the. I mean, because you think, especially when it had just happened before there'd been any attacks on Gaza, you'd be like, well, this is pretty obvious, obviously brutal and horrific. You know, you can't, there's no justification for like, you know, killing children, burning teenagers at a music festival, uh, burning innocent civilians. Um, but yeah, Black Lives Matter, uh, various chapters of Black Lives Matter came out in support. This is BLM Chicago. Uh, and they said, I stand with Palestine. But no, they've got the, see the, the parachute thing. That's a reference to the Hamas fighters who flew into Israel, flew into that music festival on these uh, motorized, paraglider things. Uh, it's like a big parachute with a big fan on the back. I think they're sponsored by Wiley Coyote, Coyote or something. <laughs> I know uh, it's insensitive, but it, it really does remind me of that SpongeBob episode. Yeah. With, with, with Patrick, you know, parachuting down to the Krusty Krab. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and it's like they've, they've filmed, Hamas have filmed these like glossy, slick ISIS style videos where, you know, they're like, this is our Air Force. And it's like, mate, you've got like fucking parachutes with fans on the back. A fan you got from, you know, Wilco or whatever from the Acme company this, yeah this isn't you're not that's not an F-16 but also that's the thing I don't get and then you, you remember like that Ukraine thing that everyone was interested in a couple of days ago um, yeah. and all the war crimes that came Wait, out of the Ukraine? war that everyone was horrified by it's amazing how civilized the Ukrainian war looks by comparison to what Hamas did I mean like they're just turning up and just I'm going to glorify killing civilians like yeah. most people try and deny war crimes or are kind of embarrassed or just yeah. don't say anything you guys, you guys put them on your front page. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Russia committed has committed some horrific war crimes. Uh, obviously, a lot of them are done at a distance. They're using cruise missiles and stuff to to blow up, you know, hospitals. It's like civilian blocks and stuff. Collateral but, damage or something you're embarrassed about, or you discipline people. Yeah, it's not. Never... I mean, Russia's deliberately targeted civilians, but I mean, the I guess the difference is Hamas are super proud of it and like deliberately do it and film it and then present the footage to the world, being like, "Look at this thing that we did. Look how we beheaded." This Thai immigrant who's working in Israel. And then BLM are like, wow, that's our guys. Yeah, BLM are like, <laughs> this is decolonization. And like all these, all these woke words that, you know, the, the woke left are using all this stuff, decolonization, systemic oppression to justify absolute barbarism against civilians. That's because I mean, that was what they want to do against people like us when they talk about decolonization. They see this and they go, see, this is what we've meant the whole time. You guys yeah. have just been reading into it. BLM would, would ideally want Native Americans to rise up and start executing children at a kindergarten in, in Ohio. It's, you know, that's, that's can, the end You can see the, the Twitter post. Yeah. You can see the Twitter post being like, you know, finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where the decolonization process has started. Well, I, I mean, remember that, obviously... <laughs> This is the big thing in the news cycle right now. This is the big thing that everybody is talking about. But earlier on this year, March, whatever it was, there was the shooting in the, uh, in the Christian school done by a trans, 
trans-identified shooter who yeah. supposedly wrote a manifesto about it that never got released to the public. Still can't see the it. The media has hushed it up and they don't report on it anymore. Nobody talks about it anymore. That was, as far as I'm concerned, a domestic terrorist attack within the US. Yeah. Nowhere near as big a stink made about it as something that, as far as I'm concerned, is an ethnic conflict going on between two groups that I don't identify with halfway across the world. It's uh, that's that's just my my piece on that. Yeah, yeah, no, that that trans shooting was uh, is nuts because straight away a lot of people came out, a lot of celebs, a lot of woke leftists came out and were like, oh, don't forget the real victims here, uh, the victims of transphobia from the backlash, and it's like, what about the actual victims? Yep. What about the kids that are still bleeding out? And the it's the normal Donald joke. What if a Muslim set off a fifty uh, bomb that killed fifty million innocent people? Imagine the backlash against the innocent Muslims. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is because they support this kind of action. They want you dead. Yeah, yeah. And if we move on, so BLM Grassroots uh, said, Black Lives Matter Grassroots stands in solidarity with our, with our Palestinian family who are currently resisting 57 years of settler colonialism and apartheid. As black people continue the fight to end militarism and mass incarceration in our own communities, let us understand the resistance in Palestine as an attempt to tear down the gates of the world's largest open-air prison. It's nothing like a prison. It's actually uh, got quite a bit of space compared to, you know, everybody's like, it's the most, it's the most overcrowded place in, in the world. It's not. Uh, as, a, as a radical black organization grounded in abolitionist ideas, we see clear parallels between black and Palestinian people. Mm, if you want to say so. abolitionist idea being kill them all. Yeah. So in the last 24 hours, we saw a bunch of uh, guys kill a bunch of Israeli civilians, and we, we stand, we, you know, we kind of see a bit of ourselves in them. Yeah. Most of ourselves, actually. Yeah. And these are the sorts okay. of people that stand by those who are saying that uh, after the American Civil War, the biggest problem with Reconstruction is we just didn't murder all of the Southerners yeah. that were left alive. You know, that's, that's to, the to attitude fair, they take. We should actually probably take some joy in this because we were saying for ages that Black Lives Matter are not for Black Lives. They're these friggin' they just, lunatics. They just hate white yeah. people. For and now part. we just have them saying, yeah, we would kill you if we could. They openly, they're open, openly saying it. Uh, but I mean, people are so indoctrinated these days. They'll still, they'll be like, no, yeah, no, we, we deserve it. Here's some more money. Here's some more money so you can buy another mansion. Uh, they continue, we too understand what it means to be surveilled, dehumanized, property seized, families separated, our people criminalized and slaughtered with impunity, locked up in droves. And when we resist, they call us terrorists. We too. <laughs> we well, I kill babies we, as well. Oh. When we drive through Christmas parades and set off bombs and oh. burn down cities, they call us terrorists. Oh, you can call terrorists. Oh, how, oh that, I mean, sure, that's the, that's the real crime that's going on. Like Hamas are being called terrorists. We too dream of a world where our people may live freely on decolonized land. May the borders, checkpoints, prisons, police, and watch lists that terrorize our communities crumble. And may the world we bid, build from their ashes honor those who have fallen in struggle. So that's the world they've got, they've got planned for us. Um, and also UK, the, the British branch of uh, BLM, uh, said solidarity, and this, this is still up there, they haven't taken this down, solidarity with those resisting Israeli war crimes and military occupation. We see free Palestine and support the practical solidarity of PAL action. Uh, so so they kill us too, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. Even though, you know, we've got a much smaller black population and they, they weren't brought here as slaves. They literally abolished slavery globally, but the yeah. thanks we get is killed. British blood was spilled abolishing slavery. British money was... And a, a lot of money was spent. A lot of money, yeah. 2015, I think, is when we finished paying all of that off. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. So obviously there's been a bit of a backlash uh, to Black Lives Matter because of these, these posts which didn't go down too well. So there's this guy, for example, uh, David Weissman, uh, so it shows what he what he was posting a couple of years ago. 
Uh, I will never stop saying Black Lives Matter. And I may even get a shirt myself. Uh, scroll on a couple of years and he's saying, fuck them, maybe the right was right about Black Lives Matter. Hey, guess what? We're right about everything. What but, do you mean they don't, you know, like pick and choose between which white people they hate? They just hate all of them. Damn. <laughs> and if we move on to the next one, so the, his lefty mates are replying to him. He says, David, oh my God, please stop with this. People on the right or who used to be on the right seem to want to jump to the worst case scenario about BLM. It's like they're literally, BLM are literally cheering on Hamas. They're literally cheering on people like <laughs> killing civilians and children and just people having a party at a music festival. And it's not Glastonbury, so it's bad. It's, you know, this is, this. I just don't know how anybody could look at BLM, BLM and be like, oh, no, they're still great. Why, right. are, you, why are you criticizing? Clearly the right are trying to mislead us by showing us BLM's quotes. Yeah. 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 It's like libs of TikTok sharing all of those videos the leftists put out themselves. This is terrorism. <laughs> and uh, another, um, this, is, this is in the UK, so Bella Wallersteiner, uh, she says, or um, just about a month ago, she said, we have a Hindu prime minister, a Muslim mayor of London, a Buddhist home secretary, and a Muslim first minister of Scotland. Britain's multicultural society is remarkable, and we should celebrate it, Suella Braverman. Uh, a couple of weeks later, having seen uh, one of the cultures uh, come out waving Palestinian flags, cheering uh, the terrorist atrocities be the mayor of in London Israel. And the first minister of Scotland, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she said, uh, I've left. As it didn't feel safe, she was obviously at a protest. I tried speaking to a few, few protesters, making the point that it was totally inappropriate to hold a demonstration of this kind after a heinous terrorist attack. As you can imagine, I didn't get very far. I'd advise people avoid the area. Oh, well, it's like there's a no-go zone I mean, you, as a result. You joke about you know the First Minister of Scotland maybe being in that process. He did confirm that he has family in Gaza right now, didn't he? Yeah. And he was on the phone he, to them. His his main yeah. concern seemed to be his international roaming fees. I saw I saw a great <laughs> post, uh, AI image that Kunli Drukpa put out of you know uh, him on one side and on the other side there was just a, a pale white ginger Scotsman in a kilt in the middle of a <laughs> like being being bombed in Gaza. Going, ah, I can't believe it. <laughs> I have no idea there's, there's any conflict in the Muslim world and the camera just pans to Britain and just going boy but yeah also the IDF you know people are saying oh Israel is just indiscriminately bombing uh, Gaza and like I've no doubt they're obviously hitting you know a lot of civilians are getting caught in the bombing because uh, I mean Israel oh, Israel apparently didn't yeah. even know this attack was was coming so you know how they're doing precise strikes on just military outposts in the Gaza Strip uh, baffles me because they didn't have the intelligence to even know this this was happening. Um, but they do give warnings. They say vacate this area of the Gaza Strip. You know, so they you know they're a bit like the IRA phoning up a pub before. Um, <laughs> well, they send a small bomb beforehand, which means get out. Right. So you bomb the roof with something that's not going to kill anyone, which is right. leave, please. Right. right and then right. like ten minutes later, the big bomb comes. Right. So so there's a little bit of bit of warning, but yeah, obviously, I mean, there's you know the the deaths in Gaza. Are horrific. I mean, unless they're killing, unless it's unless they're combatants, then go for it. Yeah, unless they're combatants, that's war. Then it's good. Then it's war. Uh, Moving on, uh, the football association says it's not going to light the Wembley arch with the colors of the Israel flag. So they did do this with Ukraine. Oh no! How is Israel going to survive now, guys? (laughs) The war is lost. But it's. I mean, I think it's a it's a symbol of solidarity. But this is this, their, their excuse is quite interesting because they say the quiet part out loud. Uh, 
It says, the Football Association is unlikely to light the Wembley Arch and the colours of the Israel flag because of fears of a backlash from some communities. Mm. Some communities, eh? The Israelis. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting to see our institutions cowering before these, before these uh, some communities. Uh, there we are. And you know, want to guess what the largest ethnic group in Wembley is? Is uh, uh, Irish. No? Icelandic. Bangladesh. Ah, right. So uh, Islamic there. I never would have bro- I never would have guessed. There we are. And how how much is a proportion of the population? About a third. Oh, that's in two thousand one. It's been oh, right. twenty years. So about ninety nine. Yeah, about ninety nine percent. Right, something like that. Nuts. Because this this is the thing we're seeing pretty rapid demographic change. We're seeing uh, a lot of a uh, lot of immigration from Muslim countries. But it would never have an impact. We were told. And no, now, a positive impact. The, the impact was only ever going to be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, foreigners, they don't have opinions on international politics. They just like cooking food for us. Yeah. Yeah. We just get the so, spicy food and any, any sort of strange ideas or, or, you know, any historical grudges get left behind and everybody starts a, a new life. And you certainly don't see any, any fighting between those communities once they're in the UK. Um, Navarra Media. Uh, have so Navarra Media is yeah. a sort of uh, it's like lotus eaters for wankers. Um, they've got <laughs> uh, that's fair, it's <laughs> a way of describing it. Yeah, they've got uh, you know, they it's subscription service and they, it's really sort of hard left. Uh, the guy who runs it, Aaron Bastani, he's always seemed like a nice, open guy. But some of the journalists are just like Rivka Brown. I, I don't I don't get Navarro because Aaron does seem like a decent guy, yeah. but he hires insane people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got to judge people on their actions as much as, you know, how they come across. Uh, and yeah, Rivka Brown. And this is there's there's other people Michael Walker, who works for Navarro, has, has tweeted some just horrific. And the thing is, like, man, it was right after, right after the invasion, when we're still seeing the, you know, in real time, people are getting killed in Israel, and they're tweeting this horrific stuff about, you know, this is uh, decolonization, people rising up and breaking free, and blah blah blah. And it's not; it's just, man, it's just a horrible. Talk about civilian death. Horrible, yeah, horrible Islamic militants, terrorists funded by Iran, just callously and calculatedly uh, and unnecessarily killing civilians. And it, it was totally counterproductive to the to the you know the best what what's best for the the people of Gaza. And it's really just to um, to do. They're, they're they're hired mercenaries. They're hired by Iran. They're getting money from from other parts of the Muslim world. Um, but yeah, Rivka Brown said uh, today, and this is this is the day it started. She said today should be a day of celebration for supporters of democracy and human rights worldwide as Gazans break out of their open air prison and Hamas fighters cross into their colonizers' territory. The struggle for freedom is rarely bloodless, and we shouldn't apologize for it. Now she says it's a great day for democracy and human rights. Guess what the only genuinely free and democratic country with human rights is in the Middle East? Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's close. It's not that close. Qatar? <laughs> it's not Qatar. Bahrain? It's not Bahrain. Kuwait? It's not Yemen? Oh, man, we could be here a while. Monarchy. I'm not going to get it. It's a, bit, it's a bit more free than some of them. But Iraqi democracy. We put that in, right? <laughs> yeah, that worked, went well. It worked great. Yeah. Because the thing is, the wonderful thing about uh, about wars is you, you can just go in and like, if you if you just bomb some buildings, then all of a sudden, a Parisian democracy yeah. springs up in the desert. They got statues of George Bush there thanking him. <laughs> for... I think I learned that lesson in Team America. 
yeah. when they bombed the, the, the Paris and destroyed the Eiffel Tower. Right. Yeah. Do you remember that, the first scene of it? So I got the right answer. Right? <laughs> You've never seen it. What? The first scene of Team America, they're te- getting terrorist attacks in Paris. So Team America shows up and blows up Paris. But in the doing so, they stop the terrorists. So it's all right. worth it. Cool. It's great. It's yeah. funny. So anyway, th- thankfully, we have Iraqi democracy. So I mean, that's, that's what they should really be supporting, right? Oh, it's hugely, hugely democratic. And definitely not just like uh, riven with internecine tribal rivalries. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but um, but yeah, no, Israel. Israel is the only free and democratic country in the Middle East, and a lot a lot of Arabs would rather live in Israel than live, you know, elsewhere in the Middle East. Uh, and Rivka Rivka Brown, as a as a Jew, uh, would definitely have a better time in Israel than she would. Uh, She's Jewish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's nuts. This sort of is the, the oh, sort of hilarious. woke self-flagellation, <laughs> self-destruction. <laughs> Like they want to destroy Western civilization, but they also want to destroy themselves. It's it's mad. Um, green politician in Scotland, Maggie Chapman, uh, said, "What's happening in Palestine? Bear in mind, she calls it Palestine, not Israel. Is a consequence of apartheid. Uh, she still uses hashtags like a boomer of illegal occupation. Mm, bit of a typo there. Mm, and of imperial aggression by the Israel state." Palestinian civilians have seen their homes destroyed, their water stolen, and their land appropriated illegally. Uh, yeah, whatever you say, Maggie. I just I remember when Scottish politicians wanted to just transition kids instead of transition kids destroy Western. She probably still wants to do that. Yeah, that's that's what I just said. She she still wants to do it, but she also wants to. Don't you feel so rep- represented though, Leah? Don't yeah. you love that when Scottish politicians have the same interests that you do? I don't even think she's Scottish. I think she's from New Zealand. Let me just check. Maggie Chapman, where is she from? She's a she-her well, I mean, feminist. your first minister isn't from Scotland, so. <laughs> Eco-socialist. She Wait, just Eco-socialist in the bio. She's from Zimbabwe, of all places. <laughs> she's Rhodesian. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, what happened there? What happened there? We need that here. Yeah, so, everywhere should be Zimbabwe. I, th- I thought Mugabe had brought socialism to Africa. Why? Why, sh- why did she come here? So Zimbabwe decolonized, successfully decolonized itself, and then huge, she went. She went. Success. I'm leaving this oh, yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I want. I want to repeat that success in Scotland. Uh, so yeah, she's from Zimbabwe. This is the trouble. Like everybody's taking their eye off politics because everybody just wants to watch Strictly come dance and and have a wank and you know eat eat some wagamamas. All so at the same time. Nobody's paying it. Yeah, all at the same time. That's where that's where it comes with that bowl. But um, <laughs> nobody's nobody's paying attention to to politics. So then, mental people like Maggie Chapman with terrible, nefarious opinions can can get into politics while nobody's paying any attention. God to bless it. Mugabe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the whole world, <laughs> a global Zimbabwe in order. Yeah. And then, oh, we've got a video now of um, your average uh, Western uh, land wheel. Um, so we've got, we've got sound with this one. I can't stop thinking about the way that um, colonization is in Zealand its on Israel. Okay. reckoning period um, across so much of West Africa and Central Africa. We're seeing coups and we're seeing uprisings. And, you know, I'm not an expert on the politics of Israel and Palestine. Don't put yourself down. But it is also 
deeply unsurprising to me seeing what's happening in Palestine because everyone is acting like some people are acting confused and the instinct here given the complexity is to see things in terms of this is horrific what's happened to Israel but when you all examined colonization and decolonizing what did you actually think that would look like like for real it is so interesting watching people comment on this and it's like this visual struggle of respectability politics and the way that what there should be a diplomatic solution and she's like gleeful. when you are violently oppressed for that long what do you think the uprising against your oppressors looks like and i say this as a white person living in colonized australia on stolen land like Kill me, some Daddy, of you all I need don't... a bit of a reality check i think because like what why, did you think was gonna happen why doesn't she get off the stolen land well she's too fat but <laughs> can we well, happily, gonna... in the next segment we'll talk about what would happen to her if she was a part of one of those indigenous communities that she uh, so valorizes in her little speech. Why did she have to take so long to say that all? Yeah. Like, she was she was obviously choosing her words carefully because she was thinking, how do I say this without sounding like a psychopathic retard? Yeah, and Just, she still sounded like a yeah. psychopathic retard. And the stuff she said, she's like, I'm not an expert on Israel and, like, the, Israel and Palestine. It's like, well, thank you for telling well, me. We could have worked anyway. that out. Yeah, we could have worked that out. But to be to say I'm not an expert, but here's why I think the murder of children is justified. That's a pretty pretty bold move. I don't know. I think a lot of people are waking up to the the sort of absolute horror that is woke ideology. It used to when it's all in the abstract, decolonization sounds uh, sounds great. But she's like she's saying this this, this what face. Is this is the face of the white woman go, uh, like promoting yeah. decolonization. And this is the face of every white woman who works in HR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely it is. Just as a warning, we'll have to wrap up soon because we're All right, tight. Yeah. But I just love the idea. She's like, well, why do you people engage in respectability politics? So, yeah. Sorry, what? Being respectable is now something you shouldn't try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, we'll skip over the next one um, and go to the... So this is, I mean, you, you'll have seen this. This is uh, a crowd in Sydney shouting gas the Jews. And they've been shouting this at pro-Palestinian demonstrations in other countries as well. I just want to know why it's it's illegal when Count Dankula does it in a joke, and it's obviously a joke, and he, he's not glorifying in it, and he obviously doesn't mean it. Well, the, you know, this, joke, this gathering joke. of comedians, I also would spend the free speech. Yeah, to... but how come when these Guardian <laughs> Guardian columnists, when these BBC journalists, when they when they gather to do it for real, yeah. They don't, you know, it's not a crime when they do it. I, I don't know. What I don't you can't, what you can't see is the crowds are obscuring all of the small pugs that they're just getting to do a little, <laughs> little salute with it. It's just a joke, bro. If we, if we move on to the next one, so this is uh, so Celtic. If we scroll down, Celtic is a football club in Glasgow. It's Named like after one of the Celts. Big two, uh, and it's traditionally been a sort of pro IRA. Uh, 
uh, fan base. And uh, yeah, we scroll down. The, the stuff, the Palestinian flags actually get delivered there. And they've been, they've been holding up things like Free Palestine Victory to the Resistance. Uh, if we scroll down a bit more. That is the name of Hamas, by the way. It means the, Islamic resistance. But the, the death skull with the Palestinian, whatever it's called. Um, That's because the, they're the good guys. I, I, either they just had that in reserve or an NGO provided that to them. Because <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah. get something like that. Just, uh, oh, we need five minutes to just mark something up quick. You can get yeah. it on Redbubble. Don't worry. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely mental. Big Teespring do them now, if you ask politely. <laughs> And the BBC refuse to uh, call Hamas terrorists. They've got all this sort of prevaricating nonsense about why why they won't call them terrorists, even though they were happy to call the IRA. Uh, they said Thatcher and the IRA dealing with terror. So one man's terrorist is another man's not a terrorist. How does this make you feel, Callum? Do you feel oppressed? Feel like you're being discriminated you, against. You leave the Irish out of this. You're you're, you're <laughs> terrorist, Jason. <laughs> I I can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, this this ideology. Like, bear in mind. I'll just finish on this. Like, Hamas aren't killing for any sort of any defined political objective. They're killing out of hatred of Jews. In their charter, it literally, literally says, "We hate Jews and we want yeah. to kill them." That's the political objective. That, yeah, that is the political objective. Yeah, but that's not like a you know. <laughs> Like, <laughs> it's not normal politics. I mean, if, you define, if, you, if you're defining <laughs> politics as you know uh, non-violent passing of policies and yeah. and putting forward of policies, but uh-huh. politics takes many forms. But the, even the IRA, they're a terrorist organisation, but they had a defined and plausible political aim. You know, the reunification of Ireland and all that sort of stuff. Uh, whereas Hamas is like, you know, the IRA were never like we we want to take over the whole world, and because Hamas literally want to take over. The whole world. They say, uh, the Hamas commander says, uh, uh, the entire planet will be under our law. There'll be no more Jews or Christian traitors. Well, that's, just, that's just Muslim groups though, isn't it? For the most part. This is, yeah, the, and that's, Hamas is an Islamist organization. We believe in what the prophet Muhammad said, Allah drew the ends of the world near one another for my sake and I've seen its eastern and western ends. The dominion of my nation would reach those ends that have been drawn near me. Uh, the entire 510 million square kilometers of planet Earth, he's measured it. He's, uh, he must be an estate. That was Muhammad's most impressive feat. Well, yeah, he must have had one of those laser pointers. Well, come under uh, a system where there's no injustice, no oppression, no Zionism, no treacherous Christianity, and no killings and crimes like those being committed against the Palestinians, against the Arabs, and all of the Arab countries in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and other countries. I mean, Lebanon used to be a majority Christian country, but let's not let that ruin his fantasy. Uh, so, yeah, and we, we can see in <laughs> Lebanon as well, Lebanon used to be Christian, became majority uh uh, Arab Muslim, and then you know now it's uh, it's an absolute basket case. So yeah, man, that's that's the when when people show show you who they are, believe them, and they this is Hamas saying this is you know the Islamists saying who they are. So yeah, maybe maybe we should just like keep Western Europe maybe a little bit a little bit free from these ideologies. I don't know. They just believe in vibes, all right. That's <laughs> it's diversity, which is good. Because it is. I suppose. Um, All right. On that note, we'll move to the. Should we, should we talk about what's going on in funny old Australia? Yeah. But there's funny old Aussie land where you've got those people from the last segment saying, "Yeah, decolonize me, Daddy. Go on, do it, do it. I dare you to." That's what she was basically saying. Yeah. Yeah, but you know that's going to get clipped now. Yeah. Well, everything <laughs> everything we say is going to get clipped, Callum. People have already started <laughs> clipping our interactions over the past few days, so just lean into it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't normally put up so much resistance. 
Anyway, <laughs> so what's going on in Australia is that in a few days, on Saturday the 14th, there will be the Voice, uh, voice for Parliament referendum. The Voice for the Australian Aboriginals, Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander people to have a say in the Constitution, in an advisory board that will be put behind the Parliament that can say, we want this done for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. We want this done, and we want it so that we can improve the situation, improve the conditions of our people. Will this work? How will it look like? I've been covering it for the past few months, uh, but it's been kind of a funny year for Australia altogether because alongside this, they also had earlier this year the Western Australia heritage laws, were Aboriginal cultural heritage laws, which got implemented at the beginning of July and then immediately were, were repealed a month after because of how terribly they went, because it literally just said, well, if you own land in Western Australia and you want to do anything with it, well, Aboriginal people might have some kind of ancient claim to that land from 10,000 years ago because uh, one of their ancestors took some peyote and saw a water snake in a river there. So if you do anything to that land, you owe them tens of thousands of dollars. Um, and everybody realized the holdup. This will completely destroy farming. There's no, there's no way that we can actually implement this without just roaming gangs of uh, Aboriginal uh, 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 people presenting for Aboriginal groups and Aboriginal rights going and just basically just asking people for money, just shaking down people for money. Uh, so they turned around and said, actually, this won't work. This won't work. But in the same year, they've decided, what if we had that, but for the entirety of parliament, for the entirety of Australian government, basically, where we have the Aboriginal advisory group behind parliament that can give advice for anything that they say that they want to be done so that they can get better outcomes. Because to be fair, in Australia, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities that they have there are in pretty, pretty dire straits. They're very poor. They're very ill-educated. Oftentimes, they have very, very bad health results. We've discussed a bit of the reasons for this in previous segments, and I will go into a little bit of that. Um, but you know, you can understand from from the perspective of somebody who has Aboriginal heritage or is Aboriginal in Australia, you would think, "I want conditions to improve. I want conditions to improve for my people. Will this help it? And are those conditions that they live in the result of colonization? Because of course, this all comes from decolonization, as we were discussing last uh, in the last segment." Decolonization is not what it's sold as being most of the time. Well, yeah, it's murder. A lot of the time, yes, it's murder. I do have to take uh, umbrage, though. I mean, I've spoken about this with the Americans, the Native Americans. It's like, well, no, the, the Americans there are also native to America. They're not from anywhere else. Yeah. They're not from England. They're not from France. They can talk about the heritage as much as they like. They're not us. Yeah. And it's the same with the Australians. Like, you've got the Aboriginal Australians. It's like, well, no. no. You got to meet the Australians. Again, they're not from England. They're Australian. Yeah, they are a group that comes from Australia only. Yeah. So I, I kind of hate the language already. And also, I, the I, I mean, Native Americans and Aboriginal Australians, uh, they weren't. It's not like they were there for millions of years. And especially Maori. I think Maori were only there like the Maori have only been there a few hundred years. Like England as it exists right now is older than the Maori, which is why it's funny when they say, oh, they're such an ancient people. No, yeah. they're, no they're not. Uh, I think the Aboriginals in Australia have only been there for about 60,000 years, which is a pretty long time, and they were disconnected from the rest of the world. Uh, but I think the reason that you say things like Aboriginal, Torrens uh, Island, Torrens uh, Strait Islander people 
is mainly just never going to learn that. I know. It's mainly just because of the fact that there is a division within the society where it's a very clear distinction where there are these people over here two different ethnic and these people over here. Yeah, they're two different eth ethnic groups, and it's just the way that people categorize them. Mm. So I can. Understand. It needs to be a better term, though. I, yeah, I, I can understand that. I well, quite like in America when they just call them Indians. Well, I suppose you. Right, well, right, I mean, you can just call them Indians if you want, because when we got to Australia, you know, that's what they were calling them then as well. They're just like Indian was just the the I mean, actual kind of, term for brown foreigner. It's also just kind of funny. Yeah. Because I remember there's this um, Slavoj Zizek, I think it was, when I met some of them, and um, they said they actually quite liked that it's still the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and the quote was because it's a monument to the stupidity of the white man. Of course, being an Indian, that's how he put it. But it's just like, <laughs> I don't think it's, yeah, whatever. I, 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 think, I don't think it's stupidity. I think it's a proud ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> Performing in Australia, a lot of places sort of say or strongly suggest, you know, it's almost like giving your pronouns that you should do a, a recognize the land that you're on and give thanks to the people yep. whose land. And also, got, if you want to give a big bag of cash to these people, yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it. Well, that's, that's the thing. I got, in, I got in trouble for doing it because um, they're like, oh, you should do this before your performance. I was all like, yeah, so I'd just like to give thanks to, to the people whose land we're on. I mean, you're not getting it back. All you're getting is this little saying before the show. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, I mean, I'll go into a bit of detail about what it is um, so that everybody's clued up. So the voice would be a permanent body that the government would have to consult on issues affecting the lives of Aboriginal people in the country's other indigenous group, Torres Strait Islanders. Panel would be advisory without a veto or budgetary control. And if passed, will mark the first mention of First Nations people in Australia's constitution. So like I say, there's lots of socioeconomic disparities between the two ethnic groups, between the whites and the and the abos uh, but the that phrase really does make you sound like a gay man though what the abo no 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 socioeconomic it really yeah it, it does like Pure i just socioeconomic factors <laughs> just saying <laughs> wish um but uh like like other disparities between groups that are down to so supposedly purely down to socioeconomic factors there's a lot more to it than that and uh well, let's just say that we'll find out that the people who were there when we got there were not these noble savages living purely in you know, coexistence with nature, getting along, holding hands, running through fields of daisies together. No. Shockingly enough, when, we got, when British people got to foreign places, oftentimes these people were not noble savages. They were, they, they were just savages. But anyway, uh, so it, like I say, uh, it's supposed to create all these solutions. The structure is completely up in the air at the moment. Nothing has been agreed on. So the structure of this advisory board, they're just saying, vote for it. Why? Because it'd be the nice thing to do. It'd just be the nice thing to do. The most that I was able to find that there was two reports, but the most referenced one by publications like The Guardian was the Colmer Langton report, which was sent to the Aussie government to tell them that it should have 24 members altogether, two from each state, one member each uh, from the... Uh, five uh, further five members to re represent remote areas that have unique needs. An additional re uh, member would represent the significant population of Torres Strait Islanders living on the mainland. They'd get four-year terms. It'd basically be like the way you structure things. Four-year terms, half membership to determined every two years, limit of two consecutive terms for each member. Two co-chairs of different gender to one another would be selected by members of the voice every two years. Because of course, because it's happening in the current year, even this body would have to have an even split of gender representation. Have we asked these Aboriginal people if they even have the same gender divides as us? No. So obviously, this is already a very bigoted move. Mm. 
We're forcing. This is just Jesus Christ. It's Western cultural. <laughs> it really is Western cultural imperialism. Yeah, yeah. So um, this this was actually originally something that was proposed when people were voting for the most recent government. I think it's the um, I forget the guy's name, but it's the Labour government in power of the federal government in Australia at the moment. And this was something that they campaigned on. But the reason that they're trying to get it done through a referendum to change the constitution would mean that you need to do another referendum in the future if you want to repeal it. So they're basically just trying to make it as permanent as possible because you change the constitution, the next government that comes along can't just say this advisory board doesn't work, never will work, never has worked because in the early 1990s, they actually already had something very similar to this proposal Mm. implemented in the local areas where it turned out to just be a hive of corruption where people were taking backhand bribes and abusing one another which is pretty horrific, some of the stories that I read researching into this, the level of abuse that was going on within these communities. Mm. So they repealed it in 2005. And now, of course, when they're reporting on that, publications like The Guardian taking all of the context away and just saying, can you believe we already had this and the evil conservatives just repealed it for no reason? How racist and terrible of them. Mm. The other important thing is this is basically not going to work. This is not going to work because you need a double majority. Yeah. to pass a referendum in Australia. I looked into this earlier. What it means essentially is that you don't just need the majority of the whole country because it's split into five states. You also need the majority of the states to have a majority there. So say you only get two states majority, but you get an overall majority, doesn't pass. Mm. Doesn't pass. So it's going to be very, very difficult. But I'll carry on with some of the information. The No campaign, which has been led mainly by conservatives, argues it will create extra bureaucracy embed racial privilege into the constitution and turn indigenous people into victims, which, you know, 83% of them are in favor of this. So I'm sure they're mostly fine with being labeled victims if it means that they get free stuff out of it, like most ethnic grievance groups in the, in the West do. Another opposition group, Progressive No, says the voice would be a powerless advisory board that does not go nearly far enough. So be afraid of those people because those are the actual uh, insane people. Previous attempts to reverse negative trends regarding these socioeconomic factors have been heavy-handed. Events in Alice Springs, a dusty remote town in the heart of the Northern Territory where around 20% of people are Aboriginal, is perhaps the most infamous example. In 2007, a policy known as the Intervention, uh, the local army was deployed, limits on alcohol purchases included, because I believe with these uh, Aboriginals, about half of them are heavily alcohol-dependent. Um, and it causes a lot of trouble in these communities. They also have a big problem with petrol sniffing, as I've discussed before, to the point where it gives them brain damage, and they sniff so much petrol that Australia had to imp- uh, introduce a non-sniffable petrol into the country so that they couldn't sniff it to get high. But then the abos found out, actually, if we just sniff a lot of it, you can still get high off of it. <laughs> I didn't know you could get high sniffing petrol. Oh, you've never tried it before. You never lived, my friend. No, don't try that. Don't try that at home. It literally gives you brain damage. Please do not try that. Uh, So the emergency response aimed to tackle disproportionately high... (laughs) (laughs) It aimed to tackle disproportionately high rates of domestic violence, crime, and allegations of child abuse, mostly in camps dotted around the desert town, which were set up by Aboriginal people displaced from their traditional lands. And it gives the big sob story, says about how, oh... 250 years ago, the British arrived and they stopped them from doing their completely peaceful and harmless cultural practices and displaced them. We tried to 
integrate them and integration is only ever a bad thing because colonization was only ever a bad thing and now we need to decolonize and just let them get on with it. Well, what does letting them get on with it mean? Because a lot of the problems that they experience now, including the domestic violence, including the uh, alcohol drinking, including the petrol sniffing, is blamed entirely on colonialism. But what was it like before we showed up? Well, there's this really good article from a conservative Australian news, uh, news uh, print. Uh, I know that's a, that's a very silly... A terrible cartoon, but... It's a terrible cartoon. Um, but it says... Something to our tits. Uh, don't, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me to explain the ways of foreign laws. <laughs> so he talks in here, one about some of the previous councils that have been set up that are very similar to what the Aboriginal voice is trying to do for Parliament. He says, why hasn't the plethora of well-funded Aboriginal councils not tackled the violence issue before? They can't solve the problem. They are the problem. Here are two case stories. So the Voice's predecessor, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Commission, was created by Bob Hawke in 1990 with bipartisan political support. There was no split between this. Everyone said, yep, this is a great idea. It was supposed to be a radical shift towards self-determination to fund housing, infrastructure, jobs, and legal aid, along with grants and loans to my, uh, myriad claimants. At its peak, the ATSIC was distribu uh, uh, dispersing 1.1 billion Australian dollars a year. Now, bear in mind that's Australian dollars, so that might be, I don't know, uh, enough for a KFC. Uh, the bosses focused on land rights, treaties, self-determination, and constitutional reform. So all of this big lefty decolonization language has been going on for a very long time. They've been trying to implement solutions like this for a very long time, as though Aboriginals' women's sufferings were irrelevant. Indigenous legal expert Hannah McGlade took a job with the ATSIC in 2001 on treaty work. She found the gamut of women's affairs was handled by one part-time junior staffer. And in mid-2001, The Age uh, publication ran an expose by Andrew Rule about the ATSIC chairman, headed Jeff Clark, power and rape, alleging him to be a sexual perpetrator of sexual violence. A serial perpetrator of sexual violence. Four women provided sworn allegations of assaults by him in the 1970s and 1980s. One woman was his child cousin at the time. Police said that the evidence was not enough to secure a conviction. Clark strongly denied the allegations, saying, my only crime is that I am an aboriginal and I have the audacity to question the legitimacy of this country. I can't be a rapist because you are racist, is the logic that we're following there. Due to that the, does sound like something you put on a shirt. Yes. I have called for a treaty. In 2007, he was found in a civil court proceeding to have raped one woman. McGlade was outraged that when the allegations arose, the ATSIC women, rights supporters, Aboriginal big shots, and the Green Left Weekly rank, uh, closed ranks denigrate the complaints as BS from the <coughs> capitalist media. The evil capitalist media. The second example of this black-on-black -black oppression involved the Swan Valley Nyunga community in outer East Perth. The community was led for 40 years by an elder, Robert Brofo, a charismatic power broker. He led Aboriginal rights campaigns and became the 1990 NAIDOC Person of the Year. Welfare authorities skirted around the enclave and police dumped wayward youths there. Blue sniffing was rife among children who were also sexually abused by both men and teens in the area. Robert Brofo in 2008 got three years, increased on appeal to six, on five counts of unlawful carnal knowledge of a girl under 13 years old. 
Judge Nesbitt described Brofo as a bully and a repeat liar who'd sexually abused the complainant from the ages of 11 to 22. Brofo, in return, likened himself to Martin Luther King and Gandhi. He died in prison. So this was the previous, these are the previous examples of them trying to implement something like this on a more local level. Mm. And it just turned into a gigantic case, as you can see here, of the people in charge abusing their power. Nothing gets done. I can only assume that a lot of money was also and when they found to be raping children, who weren't exactly going for yeah. uh, positive results for people. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of money spent to cause a lot of pain. And yes, horrible things. Yes, and it sounds, it sounds like average government spending. To be honest, it it really does. I don't know. I mean, how often do you find out the prime ministers are nonce? <laughs> I mean, we suspect they all are. Don't get me wrong. And this wasn't the, this wasn't the prime minister. This was the leader of a particular. Sure, sure, but this is like the local level. Yeah, leader. I suppose so. For, the, for those groups, yeah, for that ethnic group. And uh, then he goes on to talk about how this behavior, this behavior because they're well known for massive rates of abuse going on in these communities, mm. um, which is always blamed on the colonial aspects of Australia, has been going on far, far before the Brits got there. In fact, to prehistoric times. So there was a paleopathologist, Stephen Webb, in 1995, published an analysis of 4,500 individuals' bones from mainland Australia going back 50,000 years. Priceless bone collections at the time are being officially handed over to Aboriginal communities for reburial, which stops any follow-up studies. But Webb found highly disproportionate rates of injuries and fractures to women's schools, with the injuries suggesting deliberate attack and often attacks from behind. His findings, according to the anthropologist Peter Sutton, confirm that the clubbings of women have been common for over thousands of years. This is literally like the cartoon, the caveman with a club. Uh, ba bashing a his wife because she doesn't agree and with And then him. dragging her a way to, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what was happening. And in 1788, when we got there, that's exactly what was happening still after thousands of years. First fleeter Watkin Tench noticed a young woman's head covered by contusions and mangled by scars. She also has a spear wound above the left knee caused by a man who dragged her from her home to rape her. Tench writes, they are in all respects treated with savage barbarity, condemned not only to carry the children, but all of the burthens they meet in return for submission only with blows, kicks, and every other mark of brutality. When an Indian is provoked by a woman, he either spears her or knocks her down on the spot. On this occasion, he always strikes on the head, using indiscriminately a hatchet, a club, or any other weapon which may chance to be in his hand. So the question is, if these problems that they experience now, which are very similar because of the same sorts of incidents that always happen in these communities, and that's one of the excuses being given for this in the first place, if these problems are due to colonizers showing up, why have they in fact been going on for tens of thousands of years? Mm. And how will having an Aboriginal voice to parliament, advisory committee behind parliament, solve anything? How will it help these people? Because that's what it's all being put forward for, is well, how will it help these people? It'll create division within the community, uh, country. Yep. It'll eventually lead to uh, mass murder. Go on. No, that's kind of. Is it, oh, is that the solution? Yeah, that's what I think. Genuinely I forgot. Why did what did I think decolonization meant? You're you're absolutely right. But the positive thing is that uh, it's not going to work. It's it's just not it's not going to work because if the polls are anything to go by right now, more than four million people have already cast their ballot after an early voting began on October second. Stop. Stop looking into it. Why don't he put penises on things? That's what I'm saying. Don't ask me why you. Why do you that little dangle bit? Yeah. Yeah. Is that Adelaide? Penises That's on not things. Bad. Is that Adelaide? I'm just saying. A little penis bit. Get rid of that. That is smart. Anyway. 
With less than two days to go before voting on October 14th, those opposed to the proposal lead the Yes campaign by 56% to 38%, according to the final poll by YouGov, published on Thursday. Some 6% of these un- uh, polled were undecided. YouGov polled uh, uh, a representative yeah. amount. What are you doing? We're Where's looking with, for the penis. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to go well. I don't see anything good coming from a yes vote going ahead. Not that I see a yes vote being successful here, mainly because for the aims that it's actually saying that it's going to going for, it would do nothing to aid these communities in actually solving the problems. So what? What? No, no you can't say it. <laughs> no, no, can't Sorry. say it. Yeah, it wouldn't solve any of the problems that these people face, especially the women. The previous attempts to do something like this have failed completely and just been another nexus point for abuse to take place and for money to be handed over to people. The previous attempt to implement something relatively similar in Australia, uh, that being the Cultural Heritage Act earlier this year in Western Australia, was repealed immediately. But this referendum is trying to make something like that permanent and constitutional. So if you get the opportunity on Saturday, uh, and you live in Australia, please remember to vote no, because it doesn't seem like any good could come of this. Also, I forgot. Or, or you could vote yes to just troll the world. Make <laughs> so it why bin, not? <laughs> make it a bin fire. Yeah, I, I also forgot to say that we, we work on a website that has articles on it. And if you want to read them, give us money. And videos, yeah. If you want to read them, give us money, because this was an interesting article by Noel Yaxley talking about whether ra- uh, racial representation and ethnicity of teachers actually helps students learn anything, uh, computer says no. And if you want to listen to that rather than read it, you can get a silver subscription and you can listen to the silky smooth tones of Jonathan Crow. Is Noel in the office? Because I was just chatting to him on internet. Uh, no, I don't think he works in the office. All right. Well, I suppose on that note, we'll move on to the last subject, which is um, us all being sick. So I spilt uh, coffee on myself and I'm <laughs> sad. I've been sniffing too much petrol. We'll use this as an interim. The thing I was laughing at is someone in the chat just put Leo da- Leo's dad used to hunt aboriginals with a punt gun. Coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's not going on YouTube. So. <laughs> so that's that. All right, I want to talk about the fact that I'm going to be sick and you're all going to be sick with me because uh, bed bugs, the bugs, they're in our beds. They're coming. The, the old Lord are they coming. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll just quickly... I thought, I thought we were still in the Aboriginal segment and you are doing the accent. No, no, we're, we're talking about debugs. And as you can see here in France, there's been a bit of a bug outbreak. <laughs> and uh, it's you can see, for people listening, a huge pile of mattresses have just oh, been thrown out into the no. trash. Is this in Paris? Yeah. Marseille. Marseille. That actually won the award for cleanest street in France. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Truly. I suppose we'll listen to the audio on this because... Uh, I, you know, you and me both love uh, French accents. Is it a man going sacre bleu? Oh, something like that. I, I hope. Yo, Baba, the bacar halam, ya Wait a second. Hado gat al nas. Interesting French accent. Silba wal bakbok. And that writing at the bottom of the screen didn't look French either. I don't know why that happened. I learned in sorry about that. I studied French in school, and that didn't look like any French I'd ever seen. Oh, I. Don't know what to say, but anyway, I'll we'll begin just before we get into the bugs, promoting something on LotusEasers.com, this being Dan's, uh, well, Brokenomics series, this episode on house prices, with these two guys who are medium-level developers making houses in the UK, uh, because it was good. Uh, I watched it, it was very good, so if you want some good, go check that out, because that, that one's good. Anyway. If you want more Gooderist content, then you go <laughs> to the website. And watch just this video, just, just watch that one, just watch all of it. 
<laughs> and then make your own mind up. I'm not your dad. Anyway, so we'll get we'll get back into the bugs. So um, as you could hear, that Frenchman telling us from Morocco or Monaco. Monaco. Oh, well, that, I that makes even less Marseille. sense. Well, how, how did they end up Wait, scroll writing back, in gibberish then? Oh. Scroll back up to the top. So a new story. This, it's just the poster saying that it's from Monaco. Okay, but then but wait, what's with the... They've just the found the TikTok. Okay, what's with the noodle speak and what's with the noodle text? Someone let us know. Uh, I thought I thought this was France, but never mind. We'll move on because um, it's <gasps> gross. Oh, and, man. And for people who don't like bugs, probably skip. Probably yeah. skip this one. Uh, but if you uh, want to live in reality and see what's coming, uh, this is a... And uh, I suppose we'll listen to this. This is this is awful. This is another TikTok from uh, France. You know, it started by uh, somebody on 4chan who hates French people. Oh, true, sadly. Country as travelers have posted I instantly believed it. Crawling all over public transport, airports, cinemas, and hospitals. People who can't hear it, he's showing us all the bugs. Like, yeah. State of it. Have you ever had bed bugs? No. no. Do you want to tell us your story? Because uh, you said well, you had. Yes, yeah, so I lived on Edgware Road in this block of flats. Basically, it was a my mate rents out uh, or rent, rented out this flat as sort of short-term lets to Gulf Arab businessmen. Um, but as soon as right. as soon as COVID happened and the uh, you couldn't evict people, uh, these guys were basically gangsters. Just like took over it, and he couldn't he couldn't get them out, and he paid them to leave, and they they took the money and just stayed. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, it's not funny. And what do you expect? But, yeah, yeah. So he said to said to me, like, if you can get them out, like, you can uh, you can stay there for free because it's during you know I didn't have any work because it's during the pandemic and stuff, and it's Edgeware Road, so it was great. Um, so like, eventually paid them off, and they agreed to leave, and I went down there and like made sure they went out, and we changed the locks and stuff. Um, but like, I guess because it's the the block the block of flats is just like people coming and going from the Middle East all the time. Because I think you get bed bugs in the Middle East. Man, I got bed bugs, and it was it was genuinely the most horrific thing. Like it was horrible. It was horrible. So I was seeing this lassie. I I, I didn't. I don't know if they were biting me or if I just didn't come up on like didn't get any reaction. But my girlfriend at the time came down to stay with me. And she got these like red blotches on her skin, and she's like, I must be allergic to something. And then the next day there was like more, and then the next day there was more, and you know we're like, what's going on? And I was like. Well, maybe there's, is there mites or something in the bed? So I turn over the mattress and like, I, like, I turn up one side and it's like, no, there's nothing there. I turn up the other bed and it's like, it's like this and like a fucking swarms and they're all wriggling and they're fucking big. Mm. They're big. This one, you don't, you think of like bed bugs or little mites or something as being like, you know, maybe on the head of a pin. Now these are like, honestly, like a, a once they're adults, a woodlouse. Mm. They're like, they're bigger yeah. than a woodlouse. Man, it, they're big. And scuttly, and you could see where the everyone's getting itchy. Shout out all the all the blood onto the mattress and stuff. The thing is, yeah, horrible thing. And like my oh man, my girlfriend was freaking out, and uh, like so she went back up to she lived in Glasgow, and um, I had to basically get you get this stuff diatomaceous dust. It's this dust that is so fine and it clogs up in their uh, well, well, it get to it because it's oh really. And I had to yeah, it's all the legs of the bed and and the dust. I had to. Chuck out the chuck out the mattress, uh, fumigate everything, um, diatomaceous dust everywhere. Like the you know how you make us sort of put the yeah. ashes down when you're camping, and yeah, man. But and I had to destroy. I had to like buy a saw off Amazon and cut up the bed frame because um, they they hide everywhere and like the they're really really the hard bed, to kill. Man, impossible. So this this is the problem. So as we can see here in Paris, they're just utterly infested with it, and this is like the public transport. So not even the mattresses. Like you get on a first class seat because it affects first and all classes. No matter how much you try and wipe it down, that's not going to. Well, they must be socialists. 
So <laughs> yeah, well, they're just like in the first class seats, but you can find them everywhere. And um, this this keeps going. I mean, this guy here, this footage here of uh, imagine being on public transport, seeing that thing crawling yeah. around, and that's a full adult there. And then you think, okay, they're everywhere. They're absolutely everywhere. You know, this, this is this is just the common thing in France now. If you're not being assaulted by gangs of foreign migrants, then you're being assaulted by gangs of bed bugs. Even when you're not in bed, <laughs> it's absolutely absurd there. And people don't believe me when I tell them that there's a thing called Paris syndrome that affects Japanese people. Oh, it doesn't just affect the Japs. <laughs> yeah, it affects well, anyone Paris. who turns on Paris at this point. <laughs> have, have you heard of this, Leo? No, what is it? Uh, basically, well, Japanese people, they watch a lot of movies and they get their idea of the foreign world from movies. And right. Paris is always portrayed as this amazing wonderland where you go there and you fall in love. Everything is beautiful. Everybody's friendly. The sunsets. Go to the Eiffel Tower. And then they go there and the disconnect from, in reality from what they expect actually makes them physically ill and most of them end <laughs> yeah. up having to go home early because they actually they just the really? Japanese embassy it. has a special department to deal with it at this point really yeah, yeah it's weird but you can see here's some more French footage I don't know why there's more um, Cheerios but you can see like the bed bugs in the water like encased, in the water yeah they're encased in the plastic wrapping around the water oh, there with these bowls Christ. of water at a French supermarket and this is the, the story really which you know bed bugs are pretty much everywhere but Paris is having such a massive infection of them. It's also infested with rats. I think rats outnumber the people uh, two, to, two or three to one there. We should say it's not just Paris, of course, as we went over previously. It's Marseille as well, but it's moving all over uh, France and then expanding out. You mentioned the 4chan thing. on the channel soon. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll mention it's it real quick. It's going to bring over bedbugs. Because there is this post they going will, around yeah. that's, that's talking about how it was 4 some 4chan who did it, and it's, it's not true. If you find the original post, I still believe. A, it's a French guy writing on a French uh, image board, so it's not even 4chan. Right. About how he's done this, so that it doesn't make sense. That's a myth that's been started, which is kind of annoying because you know it's not true. But there we are. I mean, I do love this. I mean, some guy decided to tweet out, "You guys know that bed bugs are harmless, right? They are filthy and irritated, but still harmless." And it's like the bed bug write this, like <laughs> ah, not harmless. What are you talking about? They carry diseases. Yeah. They're, they're people, they're infectious and and they're horribly just man. disgusting. Even if, even if it was that they're just just filthy and irritating. Why should anyone have to put up with that? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Rats are perfectly harmless, guys. Check just out, leave them alone. I mean, the bedbugs apparently now have um, newspapers. Uh, the Guardian, for some reason, has sided with the bedbugs. Never mind the French connection. Bedbugs are already on the rise in Britain. We must learn to live with them. We need a constitutional <laughs> amendment for says, the bedbugs. Says James Bug. He, uh, for some reason, says that we shouldn't even try and eradicate them. They're, they're just learn to live with them. And, and actually, you know what you should do? Is the Black Plague is here to stay, guys, and we've just got to live with it. You should, you should learn to grow more blood, please, it says The Guardian. Anyway, but... Yum, yum, it said, licking its lips. You can see Emmanuel Macron here talking about the situation in Israel. A lot of people just responding. It's kind of weird for you to talk about war when you're losing a war against bedbugs right now, which is true. And um, maybe we should listen to the experts, though. I found one expert who I sincerely believe in. She's from Indonesia. Uh, she has uh, a response of what we must do because the pesticides aren't working. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe, just just saying, just putting it out there that uh, maybe we do need Team America in Paris now. <laughs> uh, it turns out the bed bugs are now support Palestine, apparently. So, um, so you can see. I hope the bed bugs destroy that country for real. Says a Palestinian supporter here and a lot of others. Of other noodle appreciators in France. <laughs> so. Is Bedbug going to become a new dog whistle after this segment? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but you can see, like, I, I don't know if people know about this, but they're hosting the Olympics, supposedly, in nine months in Paris. And they already have this problem. But well, there's already this problem. This guy does a good video about it. Just, I love his animations. 
where um, because of the way the Paris sewers work, there's a huge amount of, uh, well, untreated shit water in the main river. Right. Because whenever the storm uh, supply, the, the, the pumps there, I forget the name, was it storm drainage? I think that's uh, yeah. the word. Yeah. See how little I know. But this, uh, when that overflows, the shit water gets pushed up through it because otherwise it would end up in people's houses and then ends like up Britain. in the River Seine. Uh, so they were promising that they would they would run the the swimming events in the river, but obviously it's full of shit. So yeah. you literally can't do that. It's not safe. So whilst they've got this and they spent billions and billions of euros trying to solve that, they've now got the bed bug infection to exterminate within nine months. So good luck with that one. Can the two be used to cancel each other out in some way? Yeah, and uh, I you know I would have thought, haha, French, but of course. It's right there. So now people have been noticing them on the Victoria line, the main oh, line. Oh, no. The International Heathrow Airport. serious? Yeah. So what? this is... Like, this is... Is this just a rule of reality? All the worst things happen in France and then immediately spread out like a disease? Yeah. So you can see them thriving on the Vicky line as people, people discuss it there. And um, there's, there's more of them. It's not just the one, but there's that. And um, of course, well... Some people saying that bed bugs are in Birmingham and Leicester, so this guy has a solution, which is, you know, panic. Which, <laughs> <laughs> don't know about that. I mean, there's also the question, I mean, being in Swindon, I'm just like, well, anything in London gets here in seven days at least. Yeah. So there's that. And uh, apparently it is true. You can see the Times reporting that the pest control are busier than ever, oh. specifically bed bug calls all over the country. I mean, uh, they're talking here about the you know, commuter area, Bedford, uh, Harbourshire, Buckinghamshire. They're talking about there's a massive uh, uptick. They're now 25 calls a week, where it used to be one or two a month in regards to bed bugs. So there we are. So that's that's great. That's that's fantastic. Sadiq Khan saying that it's a source of concern. I, w- I would have been a cause for war personally. <laughs> I just stop it now. Stop the spread. Seven days to, <laughs> to flatten the curve. I don't know. I just, I just can't stand bug infections. There is some data on this. For people who are interested. Of course, you know bed bugs have been around for ages. You can see the most infected cities. Uh, for some reason, there's a list here. Uh, Leicester. I mean, number, London's number one, most densely populated area. Fair enough. Leicester is like the 12th biggest city in England. And for some reason, they're number two in all of the UK. What, what, the, Leic- what the Leicester, Marseille, and Paris all share in common? I don't know. But it's, it's obviously not just that. There's the United States as well, for people wondering if in the US how bad it is. I mean, you can see here, it's, uh, it's not a population density map again. For some reason, it's certain areas. The higher there is just getting screwed. You can see uh, New York City is the worst one. Oh my God. So, to give some comparison, when this chart was made, this is for a year's situation. So, in Los Angeles, there were 400 instances they recorded of mass bed bug infections where professionals had to go out and completely destroy the place, you know, with fumes and whatnot. Um, and then New York City, there is 4,500. It's more than 10 times Los Angeles. New York City is just awful. I guess it's all apartments and stuff because they can they can travel migrate between apartments. Yeah. Um, through like uh, you they can know, catch the subway too. And yeah, yeah, like and they can if you've traveled somewhere, a lot of people pick them up in hotels and bring them back home. So then get inside your bag. So you got to like be really careful with your bag. I did. Uh, I told my mum about all this because I was talking about it. and She was like, "Oh, we had bed bugs when we were a kid as well. Uh, being up north and and no one knowing about silicon and crap." They just burnt everything. They just burnt all their clothes and the beds and everything. I was like, all right. I mean, that works for me. <laughs> that's one way of dealing that's, with it. That's but... the North solution. Yeah, the disgust in her voice remembering what happened during that time. I'm just like, I'm doing everything I can to keep it yeah. out of my apartment block. Yeah. But I live in basically somewhere that is just London but Swindon. So I'm you scared. live in mini India, don't you? Yeah, I do. 60-something percent Indian where I live. 
Right. But anyway, moving on. There's uh, a video here. This is a guy who just does a video about. And they're them. feeding. Yeah, he he decides to do a whole deep dive into them. I do recommend this if you're interested in the subject. <laughs> and here's uh, the defenses you can use and the offensive measures which work. So um, the, for people wondering, I'll just describe them, I guess. The bed in a bag thing. There's these big bags you can buy where you oh. zip up your entire mattress in case there are bed bugs in the mattress. I got I got one of them. Yep. And then you have to leave it for a year to be completely sure that they're all starved to death. They can live for like months and months and months without any food. Six months to a year, depending on the temperature. Yeah. I mean, they're really hard to kill. Uh, drying. So when you wash your sheets and whatnot and everything else, you'll need to dry it above 50 degrees centigrade. Yeah. So that'll kill them instantly. That, that works. That's something right. that does work. Uh, three, which is just declutter your house to get rid of all the hiding places. And then if you've got them for sure and you want to make sure you kill them all, um, vacuuming, that, that works. Make sure you empty the bag after you've done it and outside immediately. Um, the dichotomous earth thing. So that's the thing you're talking about. You get silicon dioxide. Yeah, yeah. And then you uh, you spray it. And what happens is the bed bugs, what, they get covered in it. And then they go back to their friends and they cover them in it as well. Yeah. And what it is, is that the silicon dioxide dehydrates the bed bug so they literally just die of dehydration. Yeah. And there's no way they can build immunity to that. And it gets, apparently some of them are getting, getting immune to it, but yeah, it gunks up and gets in all the cracks and stuff in why, their bodies. Why are bed bugs so difficult to kill? Because we used to use chemicals to kill them and lots of pesticides, which was great. And I believe it's something like the 40s or 50s that stopped working because they started to become immune to it. And also because we don't want to use those chemicals anymore because they're bad for us as well. Well, they just don't work. So, I mean, like this guy, he's with some professor and they did a test. And um, when they used the chemicals in all different circumstances, it killed 12% of the bed bugs. No way. But you know what also killed 12% of the bed bugs? Water. <laughs> because they're just immune. It doesn't work. Right. So, right. so would, would flooding my house work? Well, no, but there is the, the last thing here, which is steam. So if you, if you hit them with steamers, of course, that's way over 50 degrees. That will kill them 100% of the time as well. So that's, that's the solutions in case what you get them. smashing them? Um, that will work. You'll kill some, but you ain't going to kill them all. And, uh, I can try. So just um, try your best to avoid them. Kill them if you can. And uh, this whole story. Gross. Frankly. Yeah, cheers. Let's go to the video comments, I suppose. Well, we do public stuff. Quacker. Evening, Welcome. gents. Here's a nice little wallaby. Now, it's been a hot minute since I've That's shown off any animals. I've just come back from an injury. Broken ankle and blood clot. In happier news, the Australian referendum's gone ahead in three days, and by the looks of things from exit polling and early polling, it's going to be a resounding no, since you have to get a double majority of states and population, and it's sitting at 59% for the population, and every state bar Tasmania is a resounding no. Good to hear. Yeah. Also, that's a cute little wallaby. You ever yeah. met a wallaby? No. Been to a nature reserve in Wales once, and they had just a bit where you had a load of, I think it was wallabies. It was some Australian animal where you could just walk among them, the very peaceful creature. I even got to pet a few of them. Yeah. yeah. If you wallaby, my lover, <laughs> you got to get with my friends. No. <laughs> <laughs> you dad now? <laughs> oh, you are a dad, aren't you? You can I get away with dad. it. Yeah. I can tell. Oh, God. I can yeah, tell. No. I that's, got a child. That's permitted then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. you're allowed to do allowed. that. Okay, you've got uh, away with it. Have you done I've got, uh... I've got an Israel joke as well. Uh, <laughs> I asked the Prime Minister of Israel to uh, ask him if I could email him. Uh, he said, yeah, Leo, but I'm not on Hotmail. I said, Ben, do you mean not on Yahoo? <laughs> that's actually quite clever. I like Thank that. Thank you. You know, you've watched the Norm MacDonald show? Yeah. You know when they do the jokes sometimes and they're just... 
<laughs> that's that's the I hate puns. <laughs> I don't like puns. How is the UK? I love puns. A clever, a clever pun is both the worst and best thing you'll ever hear. Both that. How is the UK pun champion? 2014 or 15. Is this a pun joke? No, I genuinely was. There's a there's a championship for there's people doing competition. Yeah. What's the address? Uh, no. Don't, don't tell him. <laughs> Leicester Comedy Festival. Can't tell if you're joking now. No, it is. It's real. Okay. Well, I'll call up a mass and see what we can do. And... <laughs> Callum, please don't don't go all Irish on us now, okay? <laughs> You've never grown that beard. <laughs> Good advice. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> Sorry for the audio last time, guys. Hopefully it'll be better this time around. Glad to see Lord Miles is doing okay. Uh, been making my way through the comics corner. I think it's hilarious to see Harry actually say Z instead of Z for Dragon Ball Z. Uh, it would have driven me nuts if he had said Dragon Ball Z, to be honest. Um, God bless you guys. Thank right. you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're enjoying Comics Corner. Dragon Ball Z is the one exception I will make to my rule to always, uh, always say it Z, mainly because it, it does just sound really stupid if you yeah. say Dragon Ball Z. Like saying ZZ top. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, that's, that's, that's the other exception I'll make. What on earth is this? It occurs to me that Britain can use its own version of Public Square. Public Square is an American app which allows businesses to proclaim they will never be woke and be patriotic, thus allowing people to network with each other. Are you app developers part of the Lotus Eaters audience? Well, you know what to do. Meanwhile, I'm working on a mobile home trailer type thing for my mech so I can bring it to more places and network too. I don't I don't think we need whatever he was suggesting at the beginning. I think we need more skull death mecha robots. <laughs> yeah. That's what we need. If you could send a few shipments of those our way. Yeah. But with lasers. Save humanity. I suppose we'll go to the uh, written comments on the site. The written comments, uh, Lord Nerevar says, almost everyone has an utterly brain-dead take on the Israel situation. In fact, the Lotus Eaters are amongst the few people I know who are actually taking a step back to see what happens rather than jumping to join either side. Good job, lads. Actually, man, I'd jump. I'm not even like a massive fan. I've got no dog in the fight, but I believe in civilization over barbarianism. So I support Israel, just like Justin Bieber. Uh, Matt Thompson <laughs> in the exact same way as Justin Bieber as well <laughs> Matt Thompson says I'm actually quite concerned this is going to spill over into terrorism in Europe and we'll be expected to hold candlelight vigils and not look back in anger it's almost that is something I'm worried about so can we talk about that so I was, I was told I mean someone correct me if I'm wrong but apparently Hamas called for literally tomorrow to be a day of jihad across all of Europe and they want the Muslims uh, to rise up and go and kill presumably non-Muslims or Jews all over Europe yeah. So, I mean, we were sat there thinking, Jesus Christ, that's awful. And then we thought about where we live. And I thought about, you know, we talk about that hotel with a load of Afghans and Sudanese people and blah, 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 all over the world. And it's like, ah, yeah, they're literally the diversity who believes that Hamas didn't do nothing. Yeah. And also the kind of people we keep seeing on the news killing people. So, I mean, do, to be genuinely serious, like we were talking to each other, like, should we avoid going into town tomorrow? Because, mm. I mean, there was a story today. I put it up on Twitter, but people might not have seen it of a guy just down in the high street, like six minutes from where I live, a walk. And he was in there screaming that he was going to behead some woman who works at this pound shop. Yeah. And it's like, okay. That's how they deal with customer service. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get the service you want, side with a mass. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> but that's just, that's just an Islamic militant's way of demanding to see the manager. 
But I mean, sincerely though, like Jesus Christ, how awful is our living conditions when something like that can cause us to sit around and think about what precautions we need to take yeah. because some fight in the Middle East. I mean, it, it happens every couple of months now where there's something like this that it hits my own life where I think, I, okay, we need to move to Poland or something because this is, this is yeah. crap. I mean, genuinely, the stuff we talk about hits your own life to the way that you're thinking like many Israelis are thinking, you know, should I be living here? Yeah. Because I might die. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm really, if something happens tomorrow en masse across Europe, if that isn't a turning point for the entire continent to just start going the other way, then, then yeah. to I, hell with this place. I don't think it will be because it would mean uh, absolutely flipping over all the ideology that, that's been drummed into people about diversity and multiculturalism and all and mass immigration being a, a purely good and benevolent thing. And if anything, I think the, the, the issue with um, immigration from Muslim countries, we're going to get more of it because a lot of people are being displaced from the Gaza Strip. And they are. Oh, they couldn't go to any Muslim to, country. Could yeah, they? they can't go to any Muslim country. Got to come to Swindon. See, right. I I think if there was any one issue that would cause the elites of Europe to turn around their rhetoric on Islam, it would be if it's related to Israel, and and some form of like pro-Zionist message that they wanted to get across. That's the only thing that they would do that for. I think they could, if they wanted to, because you've got to remember, most normies will just go with uh, go with whatever the new headline is. So if the headline tomorrow is all of a sudden, Europe combats mass risings of terrorism, most normies would probably, there'd be a little cognitive dissonance in their heads where they go, weren't we saying the exact opposite thing when Manchester <laughs> yeah. got bombed? Oh, well, if it's for Israel, you know, most people yeah, yeah, go yeah. along with things like that. So I think they could get away with it. I mean, I think the the news, the sort of main, the legacy media have sort of been decoupled from the influence, influencing people's people's lives. Social media, most people just get their news and their opinions from social media now. Um, so I saw I saw a guy. Sorry. Oh yeah, just so, so there's I mean there's a lot of wild stuff. Some people will be getting their opinions from Navarra Media uh, and all the leftists, and some people will be getting their opinions from from us. I, I saw <laughs> I saw a guy yesterday <laughs> tweeting. Um, he's some you know normal writers, not usually insane, right? And he decides to tweet out, "It's disgusting that those of the British right have been trying to use this to drive their hateful policy uh, recommendations, talking about the fact that we shouldn't import mass people who might kill us." Mm. And I just I love that because it's Wait, it, this person was on the right, yeah, like nominally, that's a liberal type in London. And I just love that like, this is all happening in London. None of the British right live in London. I mean, like you're living in the, under oppression, frankly. 24-7 having to live there along with a few others. And, and we hear from you and it's just like, yeah, that, that's awful. And so this, this conversation, Wait, I think, hey. you know what, to hell with it. Yeah, okay. If this is the only time in which we can, as you say, make the point can, that will actually be listened to for once, yeah. then, then sure, this is the, the issue we'll fight it on. Because I remember a while back, I think it was Tommy Robinson and some female content creator who I forget the name of. It might have been Lauren Southern, maybe not. They made a movie about Paris and the fact that all the Muslims of Paris just had to leave. And they genuinely just show the number of human beings, where they were leaving, the areas. And can you guess why? Was it because there wasn't enough kosher meat? No, it was because of mass immigration. It literally wasn't safe for them to live there anymore. Right. And if that happens to London as well and the rest of Europe, it seems to already have happened. Most yeah, of them yeah. moved to Israel. 
Okay, we'll fight you on that issue then. Yeah. If that's I mean, the only one you'll listen to in which we yeah, can finally yeah. lower the numbers, I don't care. We'll use it. I mean, th- yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? These people, the the liberals, the white leftists, they will vote for all of these policies, vocally support all of these policies, and then spend as much money as possible to avoid the consequences of these policies by moving out of the large population centers where these people inevitably move into. Oftentimes, in subsidized housing that most of us are paying taxes to support. So... Who does that leave behind? That leaves behind the poor people who can't afford to move out, who have to live with the consequences. Sorry to go on such a ramble, but yeah. Oh, like, man, no, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if this is going to be the actual inflection point for things changing. Like, it, it depends if, I think, it depends if you know, enough people do try and uh, rise, rise up to yeah. what you're saying about tomorrow. And, and reject all the sort of leftism and wokeism that's gripped people's minds. Uh, Kevin Fox says Hamas have been in power for 17 years and have had tens of billions of dollars in aid from uh, UNWRA and Western countries and yet they haven't managed to sort out their own water and electricity supply they still get it from Israel Uh, and that doesn't include all the work being done by NGOs to try and get them to improve their infrastructure they've been using the money to buy the latest weaponry and set it up in schools, hospitals and apartment blocks absolutely true and uh, and so many of the Hamas top leadership are absolute billionaires now and living in Qatar and sending their kids to uh, Swiss private schools and living and they're actually quite for some of them for some of the billion Hamas billionaires the you know ostensible leadership this was a surprise to them it's the sort of uh, the people in the the grassroots Hamas people who who planned a lot of this out um so yeah but there's so much so much corruption in Palestinian politics obviously when there's so much aid going into it um I sent a video yeah. to Carl earlier because he likes those Facebook videos of someone like making something. Yeah. And it was a mass version of that where they're using the water pipes and turning them into rockets. And they've right. got some blaring music about how you know great they are. You know- it's like if you're building water infrastructure as a charity project, they literally turn that into a missile. <laughs> so what can you give them? It's like the A-team. Yeah, but you can't even give them like plastic bags because they'll turn it into something. Like, yeah, Mus- yeah. Muslim MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't understand. So they get like... A Gaza gets its water from Israel. Why doesn't Israel put chemicals in the water? Turn, <laughs> turn them all gay. Turn them all gay. <laughs> you were thinking the same thing. <laughs> the stuff that turns frogs gay or whatever, whatever they put in the water in London, just put that in. Yeah. And then maybe they've tried. They all they were already gay. Because that'd be. So you think Hamas are all self-hating gays? That's maybe. <laughs> if they're all if they're all if they're all gay, then like it would be double because. Number one, they'd, they'd still be, want to kill you, but more flamboyantly. They'd be flamboyant. They get dis- <laughs> distracted by you know they want to have fun more, and also they'd hate. Sir, they're cartwheeling towards it us in the distance. It would be so awkward down the mosque where they're all like trying to follow the scripture, but also they're gay. The paragliders also have the LGBT rap. Yeah, the paragliders oh, would be like releasing themselves from the oh. parachute. Oh no! And in horror at their own sexual orientation. But, I mean, if it, you have got a point, though, in the sense of, like, Israel just turned around yesterday and said, no rules of war anymore. So, so okay, war crimes are on the menu. In which case, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they are thinking of something. Well, like they're that. already dropping white phosphorus. Uh, Brandon Thomas says, I'm confused. I thought decolonization was just woke books. Now it's killing women and children. Did I not get the memo? Yeah, I mean, we're wake, waking up, I guess, to what it really means. Joshua Crager says, BLM took notes from terrorists. Remember, Chaz, when roaming gangs of rapists and murderers did their best to make a terrorist organization proud while complaining about being oppressed. Alexander Drake says, Based Harriet, the conflict between Jews and Muslims ain't our concern. We've got our own problems in the countries we actually live in to deal with. 
Uh, yeah, and if, if it ends up, like you say, displacing a load of Palestinians who decide that, yeah. you know, well, it, Israel says that, oh, we don't want these people. They're too dangerous to live near. So here, you live near them instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I don't Thanks. want that. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our greatest ally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, AZ Desert Rat or AZ Desert Rat, depending on uh, where you are. Arizona. Is, Arizona. Do all oh, right. <laughs> do these people uh, calling Hamas's actions decolonization not realize that the Jews, Israelites, have been li living in Israel for over 5,000 years and Palestine has never existed as a sovereign, sovereign state? Uh, shake my head and yeah that's that's a fair it was Judea wasn't it back in the day and then didn't the Romans uh, yeah the Romans destroyed the second temple and caused the uh, diaspora peoples and... you see, see what the Italians did on the weekend oh no what, what did, did they, they do so you know you saw oh, all the, that, oh the, the, the arch of Titus yeah. wasn't it we'll tell people so they, they you know they put up the Israeli flag on various things and the Italian decided to put it up on the Ark of Titus who obviously was the guy in charge of the first Judeo-Roman war and destroyed the temple. Destroyed the second temple and drove them out of Judea. And the embassy of Israel retweeted this image and were just like, thanks so much, sincerely. Yeah. And everyone in the comments was just like, do you not know your own history? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's images of uh, Brett or Eric's Weinstein giving that thing the finger because he's yeah. of like ancient... <laughs> the one guy does know. He's just like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baron von Warhawk says, when it comes to Mia Khalifa's opinions, I believe that if you do porn once, your opinions on politics are worthless. How can you expect to improve society if you humiliate yourself for a living? Well, let, let's not forget as well that during COVID, there was that famous clip of her going around where she used her mask to pick up some dog poo, put it in the bin, and then put the mask back on. That wasn't her. That was her. That wasn't her. That was her. There's no way that's her. You think... There's 50% chance that's not her. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go on to some of the other comments? Yeah, I'll just still read the Omar Awad one. So Omar Wait. Awad says, BLM haven't cared about rape, murder, or extensive property destruction since their inception. They'll twerk on top of an ambulance while the patient inside bleeds out. I wouldn't expect them to know what war crimes are, let alone care. Great point. Yeah, so... Anonymi says, I don't think this voice thing is a completely bad idea. Maybe in Australia, but it could be a great idea for native voices in the UK. We wouldn't need it if we just cleared them out. Arizona Desert Rat says, it sounds like the Aboriginal tribes in Australia are having the same problems as the Native American tribes in the USA. Rampant addiction of alcohol and drugs, rape, sexual assault, and abuse committed within the tribe that isn't prosecuted, and generational poverty. Some escape the cycle and have happy, successful lives, but I've worked with some kids who have gone through horrendous trauma. That's terrible to hear. Rue the Day says, Paris phrasing that one South African fella, Whitey brought petrol knowing full well we'd want to sniff it and now blames us for it. <laughs> terrible. We're, we're really terrible, aren't we? And let's go with some of yours as well. Sure. So there's uh, some people talking about how great it'll be by 2030. You can get your own uh, breakfast underneath the bed. That's eco-friendly. So... <laughs> In Paris, the bull gets you. Base stage is going to set fire to his bed now out of paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> I did love uh, George Happ talking about Starship Troopers there. And uh, I did very much want to end that segment off the, with the only good bug is a dead bug. But then I thought, oh, you know what? YouTube's not going to get that and then ban me for it. <laughs> no, that's going to get clipped. I think I'm talking about the French. Which everyone knows <laughs> that they're frogs. They're frogs. So that's... You know what's annoying? Under, under Facebook's rules, that is actually against Facebook rules to even call the French frogs. You're not allowed to call another human being, not just a group of human beings, any human being, a animal. So if you call another, a, if a woman calls another woman a cow on Facebook, oh, really? she will actually get a, a strike for that. Right. What if I call someone like a fearsome lion? Well, if it's uh, derogatory, then... What if I call them a cowardly lion? Yeah, that is a problem. Oh, okay. So I'm and when the derogatoryness be the perception of the victim, like all the hate speech yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
But anyway, we're out of time. We'll be back in 29 minutes or 28. Um, thank you ever so much. If you'd like to find Leo, you can find him here, as you can see. That's You're his... curious. Oh, I've also got, I've got a YouTube channel. One more. You got pronouns on that one too, or just... Uh... I do. I'm a woman. You actually have pronouns on here? I think they've added the feature. You can do it now. And I'm trying to get to 2 billion followers. <laughs> Please help. So if you, if you believe in that sub goal, <laughs> what are you doing at 2 billion? We get nudes at 2 billion or... Two billion. Uh, I don't know. Probably we'll get. I'll get some. I'll get a takeaway. Get pizza in. All right. So. For everyone, and I'll I'll pay for it. I thought you were literally going to be like, no, I'd probably just stay home. Yeah, It'd be good. Anyway, so uh, if you want to believe in the sub goal, add the subs. Uh, otherwise, um, bye, bye.